Podcast to help us walk the Christian life in today's troubled world. This is God's Amazing Grace Podcast with Sean. Everybody, welcome back to God's Amazing Grace. Once again, I am your host, John. And today we're going to get right into this, this segment. We're going to be talking to maybe a future representative of, of the house out in um, Iowa, Greg. He's a, a, a classmate of mine. We went back to school way back in 1980. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Greg. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Um, why don't you tell everybody a, a little bit about yourself and what, what you're into, what you're doing. Um, introduce yourself to people. Well, I'm uh, almost 60. <laughs> we, went to, <laughs> we went to high school together, but uh, I don't remember if you were older than me or younger than me. You but, are older uh, than me. You were you graduated in eighty. I graduated in eighty one. Oh wow, wow! But anyway, we used to play basketball together and football together and all sorts of stuff. We had a good time. Uh, well, about me, I uh, I live in Des Moines, Iowa. Moved out here because my son was a really good wrestler in the state of New York. Won the New York State Championship and won a, a broke all the state records. <laughs> most of the state records, I guess, at that time, including all-time wins. Anyway, he got recruited to a college out here called William Penn University. And okay. uh, he, he came out here on a scholarship. He met a girl, got married. My daughter came out here and met a boy and got married. And then my youngest son came out here and met a girl <laughs> and got married. And they all started having grandkids. And we lived a thousand miles away. Well, yep. Grandma wasn't very happy, and neither was I. So we ended up moving to Des Moines, Iowa, and we've been ever been here ever since. That was 2011, Labor Day weekend. We moved out here. Oh, really? Yep. My company was good enough to allow me to do a lateral transfer from New York to Iowa, and uh, I, it's one of the best things I ever did in my life. Really enjoy living in Iowa. Anyway, I got involved politically in uh, Ted Cruz's campaign when he was running for president in 2016. Um, we know the candidate that ultimately won, and uh, and uh, so we were we were involved in that campaign. Learned a lot during that campaign. He said to us as a group, he said, uh, you know, if you look around in your district and you're looking for someone that represents your values check out your um your you know legislators and see if they <laughs> represent your values well the guy that is in there in the uh, position uh of authority in my area the, uh, um, he is not representing my values at all he is a uh, 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 has a D in front of his name, and uh, he believes that abortion's okay, and he doesn't like people to have guns, and there's just a lot of other things 
uh, his free speech issues. He has uh, issues with stand your ground laws, whether or not we can defend ourselves. So anyway, this guy, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not putting up with that. I'm running. So I ran against him in the last cycle. Um, and he's been in since 2012 and I got over 3000 votes. Didn't win that election. However, this time I'm teaming up with Congressman David Young. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of the former congressmen from the state of Iowa. And uh, I'm I'm teaming up with him to um, uh, win this seat. And uh, that's my goal. And uh, I'm... And what I, I refer to myself as like a renaissance man. I do blacksmithing, uh, scrimshaw, and uh, and flint napping. I don't know if you know all those sports. Yeah, but... you might want to explain those just a little <laughs> bit for people that don't know. Blacksmithing, we have a partner named Randy Mills. We're in a shop out here. Uh, I've got a quite, quite a good-sized shop. It's about 1,200 square feet. We have got a couple power hammers, oodles of anvils and hammers and equipment. I don't know, five or six forges. And we make knives and tools. But the main thrust of the business is teaching blacksmithing to the next generation. So yeah, we, I've, seen one you know, of your, I've seen one of your videos of you. You had a class. There was like two people there or something. <laughs> yep. Yep. We can do that can, quite a bit. Do you have a website or something or something that people can go and check it out on that? Yeah, I have. Well, I've got a Facebook page. You can go to the American Blacksmithing Corporation. That's my Facebook page to check it out. There's not much on there on my blacksmithing site, which is MaloneGreg.com. That's MaloneGreg.com. <laughs> you can check that out. And we're just going to be going big time here because we have a I'm right in the city of Des Moines on the south side. It's kind of a depressed area, uh, but it's still pretty nice, pretty pretty urban. And uh, within a half mile of us, we have an AMC theater with the 12 theaters, and it's uh, quite well attended. Anyway, I'm partnering with an advertising group out of there to before every single movie that they show all day long, all week long, each and every showing, they're running a 15-second commercial for our blacksmithing business, and uh, we we have great hopes that that's going to take off, and we're going to be busier than can be teaching blacksmithing. That, that's a it used to be a dying art, but it's coming back, from what I understand. Big time. There's a show on on uh, the History Channel called Forge and Fire. Yeah. And since yeah. that show came out, the price of anvils has skyrocketed. <laughs> You used to be able to get an anvil for a dollar a pound, and now they're going north of six, seven, eight dollars, or even more a pound. Oh, and anvils are heavy. So, so what? You know, what's the, yeah. What's the other two? I can't remember the names of the other two. Uh, Scrim, uh, Scrimshaw, which is uh, it's an old American art, or actually a seat where people used to take. Uh, bone or whale's teeth and inscribe lines they would polish them inscribe lines in them and then put ink in that and it would uh, make a make okay. a drawing on the 
so that's called Scrimshaw. Okay. And and uh, one of the most famous collectors of Scrimshaw was uh, President John F. Kennedy. Oh, really? He had a quite an extensive collection. Yeah, because he was on the on the sea coast and he was able to pick them up and collect them. The the whales teeth. So oh. he's one of the famous people. And the what? other is flint napping. Now, flint napping, I call it a blood sport because you give blood almost every time you do it. <laughs> and it's basically taking a piece of flint and hitting it just right, like the American Indians did. Yep. They used antlers or a piece of rock. And you can take and hit a rock just right and turn it into an arrowhead or a spear point or, or something like that. I make them up to eight, nine inches long. Uh, like a big old spear point, and they they uh, are fairly valuable and desirable, and uh, but you ruin a lot of rock learning that sport. So yeah, I was gonna unless say, you're very patient, kinda, that would be kind of hard to do banging a rock all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes a couple hours to do, and and if you miss hit in the middle of it, you gotta you gotta you get well, you've got two smaller arrowheads now. <laughs> So, so you're doing that. You're you're becoming a rep, trying to become a representative. Yeah. What else yeah. is Greg Malone doing? I know you were in the military. <laughs> you didn't tell everybody you were a you're an ex marine. Well, once a marine, always a marine. Yeah. Right. So uh, I was in the Marine Corps from '79 to '85 uh, during the Reagan years, uh, end of Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter was one of the reasons I joined the Marine Corps because I was sick and tired of watching the Iranian hostage <laughs> hostage situation going on. Most and people so, that of, don't know what that is. So, well, yeah, you guys didn't know. We sat there every night on the news and watched the Iranian hostage crisis. <laughs> so anyway, that was the Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and what they do elect uh, Ronald Reagan to the office and they release the hostages the day he takes office so uh, well, yeah. they back down so anyway that's what happened with that uh, I have a church that our church service I do every Saturday night called Ministry of Passover that's on voice, on uh, uh, Zoom Anybody'd like to attend that little church service that we have Saturday night? You are welcome to do that. Okay, maybe if you could send me a link, then I can hook it yeah. up to the podcast somehow, and or up to my yeah. my um, Instagram or Facebook, and and offer it to people out there. Yeah, even someone maybe the old CCAers might want to get involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, they got that little web page for them, but we never hear anything from anybody. It's like, yeah, hello. But um, I see you on Facebook once in a while at rest areas with doing some ministry there. Yes, we, uh, we during the COVID-19, there was a, uh, the truckers were having a really hard time. I work with a group called Biker Mark Ministries. He's a old biker, you know, a one percenter gang type guy who got saved while he was in prison. And uh, anyway, he started a help ministry helping them what what he called the downtrodden. So okay. we we were looking for ways to minister to people during the COVID nineteen 
uh, crisis. And what was happening is the truckers were in a dire strait because they closed down all the truck stops except for selling fuel. They closed the restaurants down. So the truckers were having a hard time getting meals. So we figured we partnered with a local restaurant. It was a barbecue place called Big Al's Barbecue. And we started making sandwiches and giving them to the truckers. And we made a big, like a like a grocery sack, a big paper grocery sack. Yeah, I know. It seemed like it was pretty big. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and we fed the truckers out of the state police actually turned the scale light on for the truckers and it made them come into the uh, to the weigh station and we instead of weighing them we we gave them food and you wouldn't believe how how thankful these people were that they were getting somebody cared about them and gave them a meal so it was really a great ministry they're they're on the road by themselves I mean it's got to get pretty lonely out there yeah and then somebody you're stopping, thinking, "Oh crap, I got away." Yep. And then somebody's giving you food. It's like, yep. If somebody was doing. Small. I I I had a CB radio, just one of them small handhelds, and we were listening mm-hmm. to the chatter on the CB radios. And I tell you, I teared up a couple times listening to them truckers saying they've been driving for thirty or thirty-five years, and this is the first time anybody ever did anything like that for them. You know, they, they, they say the, the 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 pandemic has kind of pulled people apart, mm-hmm. but it, in a lot of ways, I see it's pulled people closer together. Yeah, I agree, hundred you know, percent. You see, you you see more people out there helping each other. Yeah, you've got your people that are, you know, against everything, but then you've got more people out there that than ever before that I've seen that are helping people out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, we're working with Biker Mark Ministries, and we're we're helping the homeless. I my part of the ministry is primarily when I can, I go into the woods and I meet with the what they call the campers. These are the people mm-hmm. that are camping in tents in remote places in the woods or down by the river. I find a lot of people down by the river. And uh, usually the biggest time for that is in the fall, the spring, and the winter, because people are cold and trying to stay warm, and there's some real health risks at that time of year. So yeah. we, we do that, and I've got hand warmers I pass out quite often, and the guys really love the hand warmers because it really makes a difference on a freezing cold <laughs> night when you're out in the cold, and it's 12 yeah. degrees out in Iowa. <laughs> Yeah, people don't realize the weather conditions in, like, the Midwest. Yeah, you ever want an, a nice, an, an easy ministry that gets you in touch with people that really need help? I Just buy yourself some packs of hand warmers and go on. They sell them at the Walmart for pretty cheap, 30 bucks for, I don't know, maybe like 100 of them. And yeah. uh, you can take those out and pass them out. I pass out, you know, a stack of them. The people I meet, they put them in their pockets and they keep them. And I'm sure, I mean, I've seen some of the homeless people with frostbite on their toes. Their toes turn black because they freeze. And uh, it's just, it's it's a really tough life. So that's what, you know, one of the ministries we try try to do and try to help out with. Well, there's a lot of people that are homeless. A lot of them, sad to say, are vets and there's... Yes. Really, yep. 
really not a whole lot of help for them. Yep, yep. I met a guy named Russ. He was a three-time, a three-tour veteran from like Desert Storm, living under the 7th Street Bridge here in town. And he, he was there with his wife, Mary. They were living in a tent. Uh, they were cold. And I went, I started buying sleeping bags to help these people out because a lot of them don't have sleeping bags. So yeah. I, I went to one place and bought this sleeping bag. Well, it was a down sleeping, like a North Face down sleeping bag that was probably worth three, four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got it for ten bucks. So I pass them out. Whatever I get, I pass them out. I probably, in retrospect, should have just sold that one and had a bunch of money to for the homeless. <laughs> But anyway, I ended up giving this to this Lady Mary. Well, you couldn't have pulled that out of her hands with a crowbar after she got that uh, sleeping bag that was downfilled. She loved that thing. But anyway, they slept under that bridge, and I've I've lost track of them. I've been trying to get in touch with them. uh, But, you know, you have to just trust that the Lord's taking care of them, as I truly believe he is. Now... You're, you're uh, uh, you said you're, uh, you've got a uh, ministry and everything and stuff. Mm-hmm. What? Give some words of advice and words of wisdom to those listeners out there that are kind of lost that need help. You know, walking in this world of troubled times right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I, there's there is. Uh... I mean, I, I rely on the word of God. You know, when we were in, we were in high school, we went to a Christian academy called Central Christian Academy in Muskegon, Michigan. And they taught us to memorize the word. And we did memorize the word. I can remember uh, John chapter uh, 15, we memorized. John chapter one. Uh, there was a bunch of other scriptures we had to memorize as part of our accelerated Christian education. <laughs> if you remember them. Yep, the I remember them. Ace, yep. But, but I can't give any better advice than what Jesus gave, the, the advice Jesus gave, that basically if you're tired and weary, come to him, he'll give you a rest. I mean, he'll, he'll help you out if you're in, you're in a hard time, or even if you're in a good time, turn to God and realize that he's the one that created you and he's the one that oh the only person that can forgive you of your sin and uh just that there's hope there's joy there's peace you know how would, um how would, how would someone go about doing that now i you know, i'd recommend if you're and we pass out bibles quite a bit we have these bikers bibles that people really like that version because it's plain language and administered directly to the bike. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just start them out in John, the book of John. Have them read that. Have them read about John 3.16. And that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then the verse after that, God came not into this world to condemn the world, that the, but that the world might be saved by him and so that's the hope i can't give any greater hope than that hope right there you know i i have to agree with you on that i mean 
if if you look what's going on in this world today, nobody can really give you that more than he can. There's nobody out there. There's nothing out there that can give you that peace that someone that actually gave laid down their lives for us yes you, you've got the military out there that they laid down their lives for us mm-hmm. but he was yeah. an innocent person that laid down his life so that we might be saved yeah I, it says right in the word no greater love has any man than this than a man lay down his life for his friend we're not even talking about his own family, but somebody would care enough for their friends to lay down their life for them. And I think, you know, as Christians in this, we're in a troubled time. I think persecution is coming to the church. And oh, if, I, I think if you can't see that, you're, <laughs> you're not functioning with your eyes wide open here coming up. No. I, I really true, truly believe that's coming. I I have to agree with you. If if you know you look at what's going on, and yeah, a lot of people will read Revelations and say, "Oh, it's just a story," or allegorical, or something or like that. Allegorical, yeah. or something like that, or yeah. something, you know. But if you yeah. if you if you know the Bible and you read into it and look around, that stuff's come to pass. Yeah, you know, talks, every word. It talks about. It talks about Israel becoming a nation. They became a nation yep. in 1948. Yep. I yep. mean, and then, and like then they said, yeah, and they said that was the Six Day War. They said after this, this generation shall not come to pass. Wow. Basically, they're that, saying they're saying amazing. that this generation will not die. Do you know so that was prophesied about? Do you know that was prophesied about in the book of Isaiah? It says a nation will be born in the day. It actually talks about it. <laughs> well, yeah. well that's, a pre, that's a pre—that's a pre-recursion of the uh, New Testament. So you know, that's all prophecy, basically, right. of the, the New Testament. So, yeah. and I don't—I don't know how people can look at it and say, "Hey, it's just a story." You know how how people pass down their stories from generation to generation to generation. That's what they yeah. say. The a lot of the Bible is right. How can right. they, they say? Try... Well, I tell you that the the inerrancy of Scripture is one of the things that are debated. And if they, if you took any Bible school class, which I went to Bible school, they have this mm-hmm. course called apologetics. I don't. Did you mm-hmm. go to Bible school? Yeah, I went to Bible school down in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so you know what apologetics is, and you know what yep. uh, uh, you know exegesis is, and all these other fancy terms for trying to decipher what the Bible says. And uh, it, you, it, it is so correct from Genesis to Revelation that I don't know. I mean, I'm convinced that it's actually in its original text absolutely inerrant that it is the word yeah. of god it was breathed from him well i was told when they transferred it into the king james version they had each person that was writing it had a guard standing next to them mm. and if they changed one word they were killed immediately yeah i've never heard that but yeah. you know i think I was- the importance of having it be exact 
is is a very very um, imperative. Uh, you know, because it says right in the word, if you change one word of written in this book, you'll your curses will be added to you. Or if you take away from it, you're going to end up in the lake of fire. So I just I think you know you need to be very careful when you're handling the word of God that you do it in an honest and forthright manner. Yeah, and I have noticed a lot of the churches. I don't know if you've really noticed a lot of them, but they're becoming more and more worldly. Yes. Yeah. You, you know how when we were young, everybody everybody wore suits and ties. I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with it, but I think it was mm-hmm. more of a, a respect doing it then. But now everybody's in there like their casual casual clothes, shorts, you name it. They're wearing sandals. I mean, everything. It's like yeah. it's like. I don't. I, I think they've kind of lost respect for the church. Well, what's gone on in the body of Christ, unfortunately, is be, you know there's two types of people in every church. There's there are people who are workers in the church, and then there's people who are the consumers that come into the church. It's just like having a store. If you had a Starbucks, the team that's running that Starbucks are close to each other. They like yeah. each other. They look forward to coming to meet with each other, and they're accomplishing a goal, which is to serve good coffee to people at a re- at an expensive price for Starbucks. <laughs> and the people, customers that come in, they don't care as long as they get their mocha latte made just right with a, a venti or whatever. That's yeah, all they care about. And there's a lot of people coming into church today, and they want their Christianity just right with a dash of whatever on top and if it ain't exactly that way they're looking for another place to go because they're consumers they're not workers they're not part of the team so those are the two types of people going to church nowadays and I'm convinced of it (laughs) yeah but there's also scriptures on on those, those types of churches too you know yeah, so, but here's the thing. Here's the here's the rub, and this really hit me right between the eyes about four or five years ago as I was studying the Bible, and it says there's a part in the Bible, I think it's Matthew chapter 7, it says, Part from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Not that they didn't know God. They knew him right well, and they cast out demons in his name and did all sorts of miracles and all sorts of things. But he said, I don't know you so my whole goal in life is to get known by god have him know who i am not anybody else i don't care if you know me but i want him to know me because my eternal salvation depends on yeah your life doesn't depend on anybody else's it depends on him that's correct and you know and i've told people in the past i mean Come as you are. Don't come as somebody else. Come as you are. Yeah. You know, come to Jesus as you are. He knows who you are already. That's why right. try to why try to go to him like you're somebody else when in all actuality he knows you already. Yeah. He knows you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly. He knows your whole story. In fact, so, he knows our thoughts thoughts are far off. <laughs> And, and and that's that's a big one, you know. People don't realize that. And that's a hard thing to fight. 
Yeah. You, you're driving. You're driving down like driving down the, the road to work, and somebody cuts you off and almost causes you to get into an accident. What's your first thought? Your first thought is to cuss that bugger out. You know, you, I, you, know you, you don't. But but even if you don't, he already knows that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I I I ride a motorcycle from time to time. I'm not a big biker or anything else like that, but I got a nice little Harley bobber that I put her around town on. And today, on the way home from work, these two guys with these Harleys come up beside me, and they're just a ripping and tearing and swerving <laughs> in and out of traffic. And I thought, I thought some very unkind thoughts towards those men. Well, yeah. Well, that's just like, tonight. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see those signs. You see those signs. Beware, or you know, watch for motorcycles and stuff. Yeah, you got to watch for motorcycles because they think they own the road sometimes. Yeah, that's true. There's there's some irresponsibility out there, that's for sure. But anyway, we we kind of got off the track there a little yeah. bit. But but yeah, back to back to uh, what we were talking about and stuff. Um, <laughs> what can you tell somebody? How they can change? How how can they change their life? If there's somebody out there that's listening that doesn't know Jesus. What can well, you tell? Uh, okay, so the again, go back to scripture. It says, first of all, to be to be saved, you have to believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, first of all, you got to believe that God exists, number 1, and number 2, that he'll reward you if you seek after him. And then you come to him and humbly say, you know, and agree with his word and his scripture that says, you know, all that call upon the name of of Jesus will be saved. And that's the true, as the thief was on the cross next to Jesus, he says, you know, Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, The guy was never got baptized, never spoke in tongues, never did all these other fancy things, but because he believed on Jesus Christ, he was saved. And he didn't have much so longer to live after that, obviously. <laughs> no. Um, but he had his legs broke shortly thereafter and died. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's uh, uh, the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, period. That's what the word says. That's what I agree with. And that's what I believe in. So anybody out there listening to us tonight and you want, you want to just give it a try. Just go to grab a Bible, read the book of John. It's uh, it's about uh, it's in the New Testament. It's like the fourth book in the New Testament. Um, so about three quarters of the way through the book, if you flip the pages over and you look for the book of John or open the first page and look for John and page number, and it'll take you right to it. Just read the book of John. I dare you to just read that and tell me what you think about the claims of Jesus Christ, what he said, was he the son of God? Was he born of a virgin? Did he actually live on this earth? There's a lot of things, questions that's going to pop up in your mind, but either it it comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I I truly believe you got to get in the word if you're going to understand who God is. Yeah, so that's, and it's it's once you do that, 
you'll feel that weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. But in yep. the process, it's not going to be an easy walk. Right. Your problems don't go away. No, your problems don't go away. They're always going to be there. But you have somebody there that's going to help you with those problems. Yes. Yep. So, I mean... And there's a a bunch of scriptures in the Bible about joy. There's a lot of... When I witnessed the people on the street, and uh, I did this in Detroit one time. I was going down. There's an old market in in a real rough part of Detroit. And there was this lady sitting at a table and I looked at her and I said, God, what would you have me say to her? And he said, talk to her about joy. I went up to this lady. I started talking to her about joy. What was her joy level? How joyful did she feel? And she said she didn't feel very joyful and she was going through a hard time. She was missing her son. She was living in Detroit all alone. There was a bunch of problems she had. Anyway, she just started telling me uh, about her life and and one of the things that's missing from a lot of people that aren't following after the Lord Jesus Christ is that there's a lack of joy in their lives. And he, you know, he said, he, Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And then he said that our joy might be fulfilled. Well, one of the hallmarks of Christianity and Christians that are truly saved is a level of joy where they have a peace yeah. and joy that passes understanding. Understanding, you know. <laughs> you take that joy away from a Christian, and uh, yeah, they're not going to survive very long. You ever meet a backslidden Christian? There ain't nothing more miserable than that. Yep, they'll say they're having the time of their life, but in all actuality, yep. if you walk in their shoes, I've been there, I've done it, I know. You walk yep. in those shoes, you are not a happy person. There you go. There you go. So my heart goes out to people like that. If you're, you know, I, I know some people that were, were once walking with the Lord and now they're not. And they're miserable units. You know? They say they're not, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're living the life, living the dream. <laughs> they, they paint that smile on every morning. And when they go, get home, that smile is wiped off. Yep. Yep. It's, it's sad, though. It's tough, even for us Christians, when we get alone with our conscience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your conscience starts talking to you a lot. That's why I don't like being alone a whole lot. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's better to be around people. And, and the sad thing about it is my job causes me to be by myself all the time. Oh, wow. Well, so you I'm know always, what? No. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm always driving, and you know, I got the Christian radio station going, and that that keeps keeps things a little bit. Yeah. You know, but and people don't realize, you know, I've told them in the past. It says they ask, "Why do you listen to Christian music?" It says, "Garbage in, garbage comes out." Yeah. There you go. Christian music, Christian comes out. Right. That's not garbage, you know. You know, get, getting back to our conscience, either our conscience excuses us or, or it condemns us. And the, the Word of God says that if we say we have no sin, uh, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. Because, and it also says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All how, unrighteousness. How many times will he forgive us? <laughs> so, well, he told us to forgive seven times 70 in a day. In a day, yeah. yeah. 70 a times seven in a day. <laughs> in a day. In a day. And some of us, that's every minute, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever broke that record yet where God has had to forgive me that time many times in a day. Hopefully you not, know, but I guarantee I come close. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you too. You know, I was talking to somebody about repentance and, and I tell them, if you repent, that means to turn from your sin. And they were telling me something completely different than that. And what what is your your perspective on on repentance? Well, to repent, I mean the actual uh, it, when you study the Greek and those types of things. If you study the actual meanings of the word, it means to turn away from, uh, do it a a hundred and eighty degree uh, turn. Hold on, I got a call coming in. I just got rid of it. Uh, okay. You do a 180 degree turn, go the other way, or repent. That's when you repent of sin that you turn around and go the opposite direction that you were going in. So that's what that means. And it, it, it means you don't live the life you were living before. I mean, it's, and it's a choice. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and dealing with homeless people and people who have. Uh, life controlling sin and addiction issues and those types of things um, you've got to want to be out of that life and you got to want it 24 7 365 you can't want it for a few hours you can't want it for a few minutes you got to be want to be out and you have to be have it settled in your heart and ask God to give you the ability to do it he'll give the strength to turn from that and then go the other way and that uh, it's it, it's hard i know there's it's hard for some people but i've seen it happen and it's life-changing it is so here i'm going to ask you to do this i'm going to ask you to do to pray for people and maybe give a a call to repentance to people okay i can do that um let me I'm I'm full out of activity going on right out here right now. I'm gonna go into my side room here with you and uh, concentrate. Uh, uh, all right, so you basically want me to just pray for people, right? To, say a sinner's yeah, say a sinner's prayer basically to okay. lead people to Christ. Okay, I can do that. Let's just uh Let's go to God. If you're serious tonight, you're listening to what uh, Sean and I are talking uh, about on this uh, uh, broadcast right now. And this has been speaking to your heart, and God has been really uh, convicting you about the way you're living, the things you're doing, the uh, lifestyle that you're involved in. Uh, Maybe it's a situation where there's divorce involved. Maybe it's uh, infidelity. Maybe I don't know what uh, what all the things are. There's usually three areas of sin that uh, most humans get involved in, it, and that's gold, girls, and glory, pride, <laughs> money, and sex. 
okay? Those are the three areas that are mainly the trouble points. So if you're struggling with that, you want to be set free, then um, you need to make a change. You need to go to God and say to him, you know, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I really am. And I want you to say it out loud. Don't say it. Don't just say it quietly in your heart. Say it out loud. I'm sorry. Because it says with a mouth, confession is made. And and you then confess with your mouth, I believe you are Lord. You are the king. You are the one who can save me of my sin. You're the only one that can do that. And then, then you need to get in his word and start to study. The Bible tells us to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you need to get in the Word and get into a Bible study and start fellowshipping in a church. You need to find a Bible-believing church. If you need help finding one, call Sean, call me, get a hold of me through my website, get a hold of him through this radio station, and get a hold of us and say, hey, you got any recommendations, and we'll lead you to a group uh, that will help you out and that will not lead you astray. There's a lot of churches out there and cults that you can get involved in if you're uninitiated in what's going on in the body of Christ. You need a body of believers that preach and teach the Word of God. And so my advice to people tonight is, first of all, decide in your heart that God is, number one, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And then turn your life over to Him completely. Do that 180 degree walk away from your sin and trust in him wholly with your heart and believe on him that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says he'll never tempt you above what you're able to stand. He doesn't tempt any man. So he can help you out of your sin. He can even break addiction. He can break that porn addiction or that alcohol or drug addiction. He can break it. He can break that lying, cheating, and stealing. He can break that. His anointing breaks the yoke. And Lord, I come before you, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would descend on the lives of the people listening here today, that it would help them, Lord, in their infirmity and their difficulty to turn to you. And we pray this in Jesus, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Craig, thanks for coming on. I. I got to kind of cut you short because my program's only going to be 45 minutes from now on. So okay. we can do this okay. again. Good. Good. I'd love and to. Like I said, send me your links that I can put okay. on my Facebook page and um, we'll definitely do this again. I appreciate you coming on and we'll see you next time. All right. God bless. God bless you too. Thanks. Yep.